podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your final post-match row of the season on AI Pro. I am podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful Ireland. Um, and I am Trev Downey and I'm gutted even though I am joined by my pals Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett to talk about Liverpool nil, Real Madrid won in the Champions League final from the Stade de France in Paris. Um, a spectacular shit show of an occasion in so many ways. Um, from beginning to end that we will endeavor to speak about for a little while but you might cut us some slack because uh, i don't think anyone any of us really wants to be here um but we will endeavor to do a little bit of chat about it pull it apart a little bit i have a feeling it'll be the issues around and before the game that might dominate because the game itself was so weird um dave i mean it's it's hard to, there's no point in articulating anything other than entire disappointment there but I'm sure you're like me, um, a little bit disgusted by several of the surrounding events as well. And something about that atmosphere, I don't know what it is. We, You and I spoke about this before. It's an intangible thing that you feel seemed to have seeped in. There was a sort of a bad atmosphere. It just felt like things were going wrong from the start. I don't want to blame that on it, but it just didn't seem right. I'm, I'm a mix between feeling quite empty uh, feeling devastated and feeling quite pissed off with a few things. Um, some performances, the approach we took to the game. And I don't want to make excuses, but that refereeing performance is one of the worst I've ever seen in a major final. That was appalling. And he refed the Europa League final last year, and he yep. was shitting that as well. And he was absolutely shocking tonight. From minute one, refuse. People will. If we'd won that game, all anybody would have gone on about was the offside at the end of the first half. Aside from that, he gave them absolutely everything in that game. And you could look at the fact that you know they committed. It seemed like a lot more fouls than we did. And yet none of their players got booked. Apparently we committed 13 fouls. I don't know how that's true. I really don't. Like, Casemiro fouled relentlessly. Carvial fouled relentlessly. Militao fouled relentlessly. And none of them got booked. Most of them didn't get decisions given against them. And then he blows up when we've got a free kick on the halfway line. Now, it probably would have come to nothing. But at the same time, you've given five minutes of stoppage time. There's a substitution that should add 30 seconds. And he literally couldn't wait to blow his whistle. I thought he was yeah. absolutely shocking tonight. He was pedantic about stupid things. He let them away with whatever they wanted to do. And look, we didn't help ourselves. 
we we were the it's a weird thing. We were the better team, yet you didn't feel like we deserved to win the game. And that's a weird thing. So I don't know. This podcast is probably going to be largely unlistenable because I think we're all in foul humor and we're probably all gonna go rambling on tangents, but I, I'm I'm a mix of just gutted and quite pissed off, to be honest. Oh, it's a fair enough assessment. And, you know, it is fair to say that uh, in a game where you have 24 attempts to their four, when you have nine shots on target to their two, and you have the lion's share of possession, uh, that you can feel a bit uh, off, Carl, about the fact that a result goes against you. But there was something about that second half performance in particular, and maybe one or two of the individuals you could focus in on who... I understand what they, where Dave's coming from, where we can't just go wildly pointing fingers everywhere else uh, and have to look a bit closer to home, maybe with a few of the decisions um, by our our our, our uh, you know tactical team and our manager, and maybe it's then some of the performances on the day. But you know, the first half was so wildly dominant; it was insane. Uh, and the second half, I suppose, was it was a bit of a, a, a ebb and flow kind of a, a thing. I just had that feeling, though, Carl, and this is this is what I'm trying. I was trying to articulate at the start uh, today. I had that feeling, and it's a feeling I haven't had for a long time. Where I thought, I don't think we're going to score here. I I didn't have a good feeling about it. it didn't feel like we were in a rhythm. Everything seemed a little bit just off. Um, and as a result, then I suppose the, the the little bit of hope that you have that these guys have in, entrenched in you. Um, I didn't have that as I was watching the game. Now you may have had a completely different experience of it, but again, I, the most difficult question of all in these circumstances, buddy. I hate asking, like I hate asking Dave, but just your immediate reaction to it. I mean, what? How? How can you even articulate it? Uh, I, I wouldn't be articulating it. My feelings of the game would be I want to put a big hole in the wall, but I need my rental deposit back when I move out. So, <laughs> um, look, we were really dominant and we were the better side for, let's say, 35 minutes, something like that. And you could see the gap between the teams, right? You can see it there. You can see it in the positional play and how quickly we win the ball back and how relatively easy it was for us to impart our game on them but there was one part of our game we didn't do and that was the total aggressiveness in the final third and there's been quite a few games like this in the second half of the season but most notably of all in all three finals that we've now played we've been a little bit too cautious we've not been you know all in in the final third we've not committed that extra man forward at times I think the first time in fact, I think the only time all game long that we committed uh, one of our eights into the penalty area was a couple of minutes into the second half where that Trent crossed across the, the six-yard box and Thiago was running in on the near post and it went past him. That was the only time we had that extra person in the box. And we didn't really get the runners in behind. Obviously, the set pieces weren't great tonight. I just We were a little bit off it in in terms of aggression and in terms of bravery, I think, in the final third. Uh, we were. It's a final, so you can understand in terms of most teams are usually a little bit more reluctant to overcommit. But I tell you what, if we treat this like a run of the mill league game, we don't play this way. If we treat it like, I don't know, if we, if we we're against Anfield, against um, you know a, a Spurs or an Arsenal or someone like that, we win this game. We score two or three goals because we have a bit more aggression and determination and 
bravery and adventurism in our game, in our running, in our off-the-ball movement, which was not there tonight. And it was only in that first 35 minutes or so where we really played well. Second half, I, I was so disappointed, to be honest. That's my overriding feeling, that this is such a missed opportunity because in the second half, we did not impart our game on the on the match at all. And like you said, there's a lot to discuss even before kickoff happened, but in terms of the trophy and the opportunity missed, that's the big one for me. That 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 was it was so missing, it was so lacking. At no point did we look like unless it was some individual moment of magic that we would have that breakthrough. You're so right. We've left the seventh cup for the club on the pitch there. Uh and that's how it is, no matter how you cut it. We can all uh, make sympathetic clucking noises about the wonderful season we've had and all the fucking rest of it. <coughs> and frankly, I don't care. I, I couldn't give a shit. All I wanted to do was win this cup. The other two you don't know, matter to me in the slightest. You know, Go Trev, when, when you're playing amateur level or lower senior level or even kids football or anything like that, and you get to a big game, your dads and the, the coaches who have no qualifications at all on the side other than they used to play football when they were kids all the rest of the stuff what does everyone tell you don't come off the pitch with any regrets it's yeah. like rule 101 in, in football isn't it in any kind of a big game or probably any sport at all I, I, don't, I wouldn't really know but probably don't come off the pitch with any regrets give everything that you've got don't don't leave any stone unturned of possibility and i just can't help but feel that tonight we did not do that yeah, and it'll be tempting, Dave, wanted to interpret that as some sort of end-of-season fatigue. I mean, especially if you look maybe at, you know, the man who was at the centre of so much of our hope and anxiety, Thiago, as the match was going on, he just looked very much off the pace and certainly wasn't the only one, my God, uh, that's for sure. And so much of our stuff was, as Carl says there, lacking that bite and decisiveness. Um, I think it was summed up by a couple of things. You had, it was a bit of a, a, an old-fashioned Liverpool game in the days when we were trying to break out of the bad ways in Klopp's early time. We came up against a keeper who had, like, let's be honest, a worldy of a performance. And I've seen him referred to as a cheat code of a keeper. I think that's absolutely fair. He's huge. He's obviously excellent at what he does. But he's made a couple of saves there tonight that are absolutely outrageous. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think he's made nine saves in the final overall, which is uh, an Optus stats record. Um, and, you know, you just go, okay, typical. But you know the one that really ki- just kicks my arse when I, every, every time I think about it, as I was thinking about it during the game, as I've been thinking about it since, the matchup over... Uh, on their right side of the fence with Danny Carvajal and whoever the fuck was up against him, Diaz for so long, and then uh, when Sadio went out there, Jota was up against him a bit. Danny Carvajal, as we were coming into this game, you and I both talked about it uh, on different shows and on the show we did together about, I mean, he's not what he was. The guy was possibly mad at the match this evening. He was he unbelievable. Was, he was unbelievable. He was so... the, guy's, the guy's been finished for three fucking years. And That's he was game unbelievable tonight. Yeah. It's the best performance of his career. He was mm. unbelievably good. Uh, look, first half, I, I don't know what we... like. We were clearly the better team first half. There's no way around that. But our approach was wrong. We seemed to be trying to control the game. And we were getting forward, pushing them back, and then slowing everything down. And we were playing the ball backwards and sidewards and... 
I, I, I genuinely don't know what we were doing. All we were doing was allowing them to put their back four really deep. Casemiro and Cruz sat right in front of them. And then Modric, Vinicius and um, Valverde were just sort of buzzing around in front of that, trying to break things up, or mostly Modric and Valverde. We just, we made it easy for them to defend us. Look, we made it really fucking easy. And then any time we got into a decent position, our final ball, be it the choice of final ball or the execution of final ball, was just terrible. Absolutely terrible. And Courtois, he made he made two of the best saves I think I've ever seen. The yeah. the one from Sadio in the first half was obscene. It's absolutely obscene. For a fella that size to get down that quickly and save that ball is unreal. And the one from Mo in the second half. And when the one from Mo didn't go in, we might as well all have turned it off because it was over. That was it. That was that was our chance. And you can't blame Mo because he does brilliantly. The first touch is incredible. The second touch is great. And you're thinking, just hit this as hard as you can. Which and he does he gets, with his bad foot, oh, and it's good. Perfect connection on it. It's a great strike, and it's just a ridiculous save. But, I mean... Mo didn't have a good night. I, I thought Sadio was fairly poor until this, the changes were made. And he started like, going left side a lot more. Diaz was really poor tonight. Like, who, um, did, have, who did have a good night? If we're being honest, Ibu Kanate. I think, think Ibu was really good. I think Thiago played well. I think Fab played well. I thought Bobby and Naby, when they come on, played well. I thought Robbo had a good game, but his set pieces were crap. I thought Trent defended well, bar the goal. But his delivery and his passing was just all over the place. Um, the, Henderson was awful. He was awful. He couldn't keep the ball. He, every time he tried to do anything with it other than play it five yards backwards, he lost the ball. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm at a loss. I, I, I genuinely, I'm looking at 24 shots to four. And I'm thinking, we've just been in three finals this year and we haven't scored a single fucking goal. How does that's, that happen? This team scored 140 thing. odd goals this season and yeah. blanked in three finals. That's, that's not the good. thing. It's not good. And you wonder is there a pattern there? Because there is a sort of it's not choking. We're not choking, but it's not the game. I think it comes down to what Carl's talking about. It's the it's the lack of aggression. Um I mean, sorry, but Luis Diaz doesn't back down for anybody. But Luis was second in almost mm -hmm. every challenge he went in for. Uh, mostly Carvajal being fantastic, but they were double teaming him, and he very rarely did they, anything, if we're being were, honest. They, they double teamed him every single time. But as well as that, like Carvajal has been really physical with him. There was one incident in the first half where Carvajal had a full hand of his shirt, and he had the bottom of his shirt, and he had it pushed up nearly to Luis's shoulder. And the ref gave them a throw-in. You're like, are you, are you going and to give us anything in this game at all? It wasn't that one only as well, because Carvajal, three fouls in the first 25 minutes of the game. Mm. If you have a yellow card... ...and after three as well. Very true. And it comes back... Like, from... Diaz, Diaz won a challenge. He, he was getting fouled by Militao. He was holding him off. Militao basically tries to scissor him down to the ground. And somehow Militao gets a free kick. Like, the referee blew my mind tonight. I genuinely think that is the worst performance I've seen in a big game from any referee. It was, 
you, like the Premier League, we always criticise the referees in the Premier League. There's eight referees in the Premier League that wouldn't be that bad tonight. And he he has he has the swagger of a lad who thinks he's a whole lot better. I'll tell you that it's very it was it was it was it was appalling. I mean, look by way of maybe seeing if we can pick out some of the the main uh, uh, features of the of the uh, game, we'll take a look uh, down through some key moments as we usually do. But just before we do, I mean, we should probably spend a little bit of time addressing the elephant in the room, which is that. The thing I was alluding to, which just left me with this sinking feeling from minute one, was the whole absolutely shit organisation, uh, which led to the fact that we had a kickoff delayed by half an hour plus. Um, there's a couple of things here. We've seen, all of us have seen video footage of Liverpool fans distraught, uh, children having been uh, tear gassed and pepper sprayed, uh, families waving their tickets saying, why can't we get in? People standing in front of closed turnstiles. And the most disturbing thing of all for me is a video that Simon Brundish put in uh, the Twitter sphere not that long ago, which was towards the end of the game there was a lot of riot police mm. facing up the Liverpool fans and not a single lad down the uh, Real Madrid end. And something about this has felt off from minute one. And I'm, it, it's, this, is, this is not tinfoil hat bullshit. This Which, is just no, like, it's not just that, Trev. It's the fucking narrative that they tried to spin around it. They well, tried this, to claim it was fans arriving late. They tried to claim it was ticketless fans. But, That's, but they, that, they tried to run that out there as that. This is what the reason is. It's ticketless fans. It's fans trying to get in uh, or arriving too late. But David's multiple journalists. But they, multiple they journalists, got... thankfully enough, multiple real journalists. Not not even ones that people would say are Liverpool journalists. <laughs> Henry Winter said he saw Liverpool fans been pepper sprayed. Um, Miguel Delaney said he saw fans queuing for hours. Hours and they were closing gates in front of them. There's an associated so, press journalist who got footage of what was going on but wasn't allowed into the ground. He was taken to one side and made to delete it by the officials at the ground because they wouldn't let him in if he kept that footage. That's so in messed up. That is so messed up. That's you Jim know, Gordon, and, by the way. Sorry, yeah. And it shouldn't just be, I mean, we shouldn't be fighting this ourselves as a club. We, sh we should have the FA fighting it with us. And to be honest with you, this, this, Complete and utter fuckwit of a government that we've got, the, the fuckwit of a prime minister and all these dickhead cronies around him. If there's one thing they should be doing is they should be putting all that hatred for Liverpool aside, proving that they care about the people in the country and actually get on there and kick the arse of UEFA for this because that, that could have ended in people dying. And we know that that's what can happen when you're this badly organized and you think so badly of the people that you're supposed to be looking after we were the guests of uefa people paid hundreds of pounds even at face value to get in they had nightmare journeys to get over there it was a good natured atmosphere and what did uefa do you know and even if we'd have won tonight i think we'd have still been feeling um it'd have affected our, our enjoyment i don't think that people who went tonight and experienced that would have enjoyed whether we won or lost, that's that's traumatic. And a lot of people were making comparisons as it was happening to what happened in Athens, where the same thing happened. And like, 
I'm just back from France, and it's really eye-opening. Like, you live in the same region of Ireland as me, Trev. You know what Irish guards, like, you see Irish guards walking down the road, and they just look like normal fellas in a uniform. They've got a baton, but they don't have anything else. We were walking around Lyon, and their their normal police look like the military. They're walking around in Kevlar vests. They've got automatic weapons with them. They all carry a big fucking massive uh, handgun with them. They're just like like a a normal set of police on steroids. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's quite intimidating. It's they're quite aggressive as well in any kind of interaction that you have with them. When we were coming back, we went into the airport and literally all I wanted to do was walk over and look to see where we were meant to check in. And this fucking psychopath approaches me with with a machine gun and starts shouting at me to move over. And I'm literally just standing looking at this thing. And I was like, I just want to see this. And he just starts gesturing away. And I'm like, what is your problem? Like, I'm just looking at a board. I'm not in anyone's way. I'm not doing anything wrong. The, the area you're sectioning off is five yards that way. But that, that what you said at the end of the game with all those armed police fronting up the Liverpool fans, like that's an unnecessary act of aggression that will just lead to trouble. It's, and it's, all David, of it tonight was it was aimed at causing problems for Liverpool fans. It's ridiculously provocative. Um, nobody sa- nobody's saying that we're special and you have to treat us with kid gloves. But it might be nice if you could read the fucking room. It might be nice if you could understand the concept of what you are actually uh, causing people to feel and what that might have in terms of even... Uh, sort of shared consciousness around these things that we have as a group of fans and as a club in general. And I have to say, the fact that it does seem to have been very, very one-sided is actually very, very worrying. I don't like this. There's something really fucking off about it. I think we're going to find out more and more as it goes on. And I think it's it'll be... I think I think the French don't understand the scouts the scouts not English stuff either because I don't think it's helped the way that the English and it's not the British it's the English have been about Brexit the way that they've treated the French and all the rest of the EU and yourselves the way they are with Northern Ireland at the moment the way that they've just got complete and utter disdain and arrogance about about Europe about all about the European Union the way you know I mean we've got Donald Trump's English cousin basically running this country and all these cronies that are with him the stuff they've done about dealing with refugees coming across the channel. It's just that we're a, we're a horrifically horrible, spiteful country and we're being treated that way, I think, to some extent. I'm not saying that's everything that went on tonight, but I genuinely think that there's going to be everything about, about the English because of the way this government's treated Europe of late. And, and we've, we've ended up seeing that tonight. And all that's mixed in with the standard stuff about about football fans just being animals. But obviously, as you say, Real Madrid weren't treated as animals. And then, you know, this, the bad reputation English football fans have as well when they're supporting England. But, you know, we, we, we can tell them that we are not like that. We're different. And we need to make sure that this is not let go. This cannot be rest. This cannot rest. We can't leave this. That's what I was trying to say. And Carl, just I want to bring you in, just get your tuppence worth on this topic as well. Because from minute one, I was aware that there's something more important happening here and Jim's touched on it and, 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 and the two lads have expressed the ideas around it quite eloquently there. 
the thing that I want everybody to understand is we cannot let this drop. It is not okay for the fucking narrative that was being pushed by, I, as far as I can see, everything um, by way of mainstream media. I will give, and it's I have to give BT their, their due. BT did not push that narrative. BT were talking about kids being uh, tear gassed. And BT, BT were talking about, they did not push that bullshit about late uh, fans turning up late and drunk, which is, of course, the standard narrative that you could absolutely expect. Um, and credit where it's due, maybe it's something to do with the fact that Stevie was sitting on the panel and he, he probably wouldn't have stood for it. But that didn't happen there. But everywhere else was pushing this bullshit. And Carl, I mean, there are several things that, you know, we all have to deal with this evening. But one of those things that we all have to do, and I feel we have a responsibility to do, is to not allow that narrative to take hold anywhere, ever. Because that is just not okay. We have ample evidence of what actually occurred. And, you know, just... Before we go into the details of the match and to finish with yourself on this, that is kind of incumbent on on all of us uh, who have any sort of conscience at all to just not accept, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, and it's not just not accept, it's also not to let it go unanswered, basically. Um, the, the fact that they put up the messages, now this is not... I do not want to see this palmed off on um, a stadium manager or, you know, some Paris official who's got nothing to do with UEFA at all to put up that message inside the stadium to say it's because of late fans, you know, people turning up late for the game. Somebody in UEFA has has responsibility for this. Somebody in UEFA has to answer for this. And even UEFA's own statement after the game or, or come out during the game, I've only read it afterwards, says that the reason for the kickoff delay was because uh, the turnstiles at the Liverpool end, I'll, I'll literally quote this, turnstiles at the Liverpool end became blocked by thousands of fans who had purchased fake tickets, which did not work in the turnstiles, which created a buildup of fans trying to get in. Right, If that's the case, and they've not specified there where the fans are from, by the way, they, they've specifically overlooked or, or just disregarded where those people came from. But even if that is the case, that's not people turning up late. That's their own uh, systems and their own processes not allowing the right people to get in on time. They obviously know year after year people try to get into big matches, to big sporting events, to big everything events with fake tickets. This is not the fault of any people trying to get into the game, you know, other than the people who are printing them off or selling them off fake or whatever it is like that. This is a UEFA issue, and to put up the message that it's because of supporters turning up late, where have we seen this before? It, it cannot go unanswered. It cannot go un... I want to say punished. I don't really know if there is a, a, an actual crime here, but something has to has to be taken... You know, There has to be some accountability for it, because we've seen it before, and like Jim just said, we know how bad it can get when people try to sweep aside who is responsible for something, basically, and it it's not okay. We've seen it now two summers in a row with UEFA events. However much they want to try and pass it off as Wembley people's fault or football supporters' fault, these are two UEFA events and they're responsible for it. Couldn't have put it better. Absolutely spot on. And before we get too deep into uh, the the analysis, which we're going to try and do now as quickly as humanly possible, <coughs> very interesting to see Um Man of the people, uh, social conscience, uh, 
you know, uh, social warrior, uh, sort of advocate for the common man, Gary Neville, who's come out today. And the only tweet that he's managed to put out into the ether that I've seen is, it's really normal to be happy tonight if you're a United fan. I'm fucking ecstatic and a big laughy face. And I'm reminded of all the bullshit I've heard him spin. Uh, and I would have thought it might be a little bit more opposite for Gary fucking Neville to be making some points about the very things that we've been discussing now. But, you know, fair play, you little fucking rat. Anyway, I need to push on into the details of the match itself. And, Carl, I'm going to just stick with you because we are outrageously good in the first part of that match. It's cagey for the first 10 minutes, if we're being honest. Diaz was getting lots of space against Carvajal, but the passes weren't finding him in that early going. And then Carvajal started to close it down after that. But there was in those early, in those opening 10 minutes, there was a few opportunities where uh, Thiago and others, if the pass had been picked, it was on. Um, there was a great pick out by Trent to Diaz in 13 minutes, ended up with a Robo cross. Canati was fantastic against, against Vinicius, not for the first time, uh, or not for the last time, on 14 minutes. Uh, and he did it again immediately afterwards. Fantastic uh, bit of play by him. Mo had a point-blank right footer, saved fantastically well on 15 minutes. Uh, <coughs> I think it was Trent who played the ball into him. At the end of a really good move, Thiago has a shot in 16. Mo has an effort that stings the keeper's hands in 17. Uh, Trent has an attempt that's pretty well driven, but well over the top on 18. 20 minutes, Sadio cuts in. He beats about four guys, but when he's cutting in, uh, hits a fantastic shot to the corner. And that save by the keeper is outrageous, if we're being honest. Great take by Ali then um, from a dangerous finishes cross on the far side for us. Uh, Fab tried one on 28 from distance. It was awful. Uh, brilliant Trent interception versus Vinicius on a long ball after Ibu had gone upfield and left a bit of space. And uh, I made a point of noting then at this stage that it seems as if uh, kicking Sadio Mane up in the air, the national sport that that has become, is very much being uh, uh, okayed by Clement Dick Turpin as we continue through the match. On 34 minutes, Carl, might as well do the whole first half, you and me. Uh, Mo's header from Trent, uh, it was a left foot across uh, by him, uh, is at the keeper uh, and a great break led to that move by Ibu Kanate pushing up the field Joel style. Uh, Henderson cut out a decent uh, Vinicius run uh, that led to a corner, bit of head tennis, uh, but Ali gathers the ball eventually, finds Diaz with a great kick. That ends up in a free kick in the left, and it's really poor. And that's a little thing I wouldn't mind you talking about, if you would. Our delivery, some set pieces, and we had so many that were absolutely awful. Sadio had tried one down in 40 minutes. Um, he had no angle, really, at all. He got another corner. Again, poor. This corner broke eventually to Hendo at the end of the box. He has a half volley, but it's hit fairly viciously, but it's wide. Um and then, of course, they have it in the net. And uh, this I'll bring in um, uh, Dave and Jim on as well but uh, afterwards. But just talk to me about your feelings. About the, you, you had said we were good for the first 30, 35. If you look at the balance of that, it's, it's 44 minutes by the time they have the ball in the net. And 
bar those like I say, couple of runs really. They had no attempt at all. The first shot on target, first shot in anger, is the one that ends up in the back of the net. Um it's a ball over the top to Benzema and he cuts in and he tries to center and there's all sorts of messing. Uh comes off Ibu, comes off um Fabinho, uh, and eventually he sweeps it home. And VAR took oh, it must have been a full three minutes to make up their mind uh, that he was offside. So, look, there's a lot going on there. It's the first half, but we're not really too interested in, in, in being as forensic as usual. So pick out what you want out of that uh, and do focus on that whole offside goal thing because, as Dave said earlier on, that would have been the narrative if we'd won. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I'll run it backwards, to be honest, and then let the other guys come into the offside goal. Uh, I think the only reason I can come up with for the what must have been, like you say, at least three minutes delay on the goal or wasn't a goal in the end was because I suspect Mr. VAR, whoever that was, was actually leafing through his rule book to find out what the hell the answer was supposed to be. Because we all know yeah. pretty much that you know if it's a pass, he's offside. If it's a deflection, he's offside. If it's a tackle, he's onside. But what about when it's a pass and a tackle and a deflection all one after the other? Nobody seemed to be pretty clear on that. I think that might be the first time in BT Sports history that Peter Walton has been of any use whatsoever when mm. he cleared it up at half time. So fair play, Peter. You've earned your salary for four years in that 10 seconds that you had on camera. <laughs> nice to see you weren't in your kitchen with the little background behind you this time. Um Pulling out all the stops for the Champions League final. Good on you, Pete. Um, I think for the rest of the first half, like I said before, first 25, 30 minutes, I thought we were very, very good in terms of that net that we have around the midfield zone where we really, really force it on maybe two players in possession. Perfect two for tonight, Courtois and Militao. Neither of them can play out particularly well. Every time they got it, we pressed all the way up to the six-yard box. And we did that over and over and over and over again. Canate won the ball, chested the ball down, did all the things that he's very, very good at. And we kept the pressure on them all the time without committing that extra player forward and without making those extra runs in behind and without being really brave or going ridiculously, um, you know, balls to the wall, basically, and just making those difficult to make passes everything was a little bit easy it was a little bit into feet it was a little bit yeah it was it was take the extra touch whereas normally we would try and do two or three moves which are like three or four players involved and it's one touch and it's really really quick and when it comes off you know no other team on the planet can do it but probably two or three times as well it doesn't come off at all and we lose the ball and i have to get it back and start again we didn't do any of that tonight it wasn't brave enough it wasn't really as all-out aggressive enough. And uh, as I said, I do think that's been the case in all three of the finals. By the time we got to the 42nd minute of the match, we were 10 shots to nil. We were 54% of the possession. We had dominated, but as we said and scouted, as we've said all the way since the semifinals were concluded, you have to take your chances against this team. You have to, when you are on top, make sure that you make that count to an extent where they are not just out of the game and dead and buried, but even then you've dug them up and buried them in a different place again afterwards. And we didn't do that tonight. We didn't really make the most of it at all. But the thing I is, think that's fair. Yeah, Dave. You're... Sorry, I was going to say, the thing is, like, we, we were dominant. We were dominant, but we were also too passive. You never felt like they were really clinging on. Like, you never felt like we were just swamping them the way we're capable of doing. There was too many 
too many times in midfield where the ball just got slowed down far too much. And I don't know if we were trying to draw everything to one side, largely our right side, in the hopes that we could isolate Diaz 1v1 with Carvial and then get the switch. I don't know what the, the plan was. But too many times, the ball went down our right side into midfield and was then played back to centre-backs or was played back to Fabinho. And we seemed to start over. Like, there's about a five-minute spell highlighted by the Mane shot where Courtois makes the great save, where we up the tempo and they can't live with us at all. And then we just go back to just sort of being really passive, not showing the initiative, not showing enough bravery. There seemed to be no real progression in a lot of our play. Thiago tried to force it a couple of times and his passes were a little bit astray. But you just really wanted another body in the box. You know, Henderson was making a lot of central pressing runs, but he didn't make a single one when we had the ball. You're just looking from all get off the ball. You're not good enough on it to do anything. Give it to someone who can play and get yourself in the box and try and add an extra man in there because it was just too easy for them. Like Alaba and Militao, they're both very good. There's no doubt about it, but we made it easy for them. We made it really easy for them. Alaba's got big flaws when he plays centre-back, and we didn't focus on them at all. We didn't try and drive at him at all. And the couple of times Mo did, he left him in a spin. But the last ball back to Mo, the last ball into Sadio, just wasn't good enough. The first half was really frustrating. We were clearly the better team. Like... I've never watched a game in which Luka Modric and Tony Cruz have been completely taken out of a 45 minutes like that. They were completely irrelevant. Monstered. They were monstered. Completely irrelevant in the game. The only one in the first half that was notable was Casemiro. And it was all because he kept making interceptions or he'd get a foot in or he'd head it clear. But the other two, they, they might as well not have been there. We were just all over them. But yet we didn't actually do enough when we were all over them. We didn't actually try and force the issue. We weren't committing enough men forward. It it was just wasn't brave enough. It simply wasn't brave enough. And I felt like if we'd just gone for it, if we'd just said, you know what, fuck it, let's just go for it. We've got five subs here. Let's just go for this. I, I felt like we could have blown them away because I maintain that's the worst Real Madrid team I've seen win a Champions League by a substantial margin. 98, 2000, 02, 14, 16, 17 and 18. All of those teams would wipe the floor with this one. And yet we just we allowed them to basically Everton us. We, that's basically what it was. They, they just, Carlo did what he did with, with Everton. Just sat nice and deep, booted things clear and dared us to go and beat them. And, and we just didn't. We didn't even try. We never once looked like we went for the throat. And it's so disappointing because that's what we're known for. That's what we're known for. We get that weakness in your team and we attack it relentlessly. And we just blow you away. And you can't live with us. Now, look, you can say that we've played 62 games before tonight. And maybe that was a telling factor at the end. But the bottom line of it is it's just... We've lost that game tonight more than they've won that game. We've given oh, we've them the European Cup. We have given them a European Cup, and I'm sorry, but any other interpretation is wrong. 
uh, and I, I don't tend to be belligerent like that, but that is absolutely the case. Um, it's absolutely the case. And it's, you know, I, I saw someone saying in the chat earlier on, like, we've won games like that in the past. Absolutely, we did win games like that in the past, but we were the lesser team, and uh, we had someone like our pal from our podcast during the week, Michael Owen, who could bang in two goals in two minutes, and you steal the cup off Arsenal, and you celebrate the shit out of that with the knowledge that you were the lesser team. But on a game where you are absolutely not the lesser team, and most of us uh, were absolutely calm around that fact going into it in fact it seemed like every analyst worth a shit could see that uh that's been left behind tonight this is what stings with me more than anything else is that 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 trophy that i value more than anything in the world has been left on that fucking pitch tonight and i'd love to know why and i still don't understand it the second half jimmy you still with us mate by the way if you are want to bring you in to chat um do let me know if you are the second half starts with, uh, if we're being honest, we're kind of straight at it. Uh, 46 minutes, there's a great Trent cross. Diaz was beaten to the header by fucking Carvajal, of course. Uh, you're there, mate. Excellent, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yes. come to you in a second about this chunk of the match, if you don't mind. 54 minutes then, um, another dangerous Trent cross. This time as a right footer. Uh, the keeper had to flap at it, coming out Superman style, punching it away. But it was the right decision again, like every decision Courtois made on the night. Mo had a shot at, at Alaba, which... Uh, there was a little bit of a hope that it might have hit his hand. And before you know it then, Jim, it's 58 minutes. And we're a goal down. And the simplicity of this goal, and I'm going to give, obviously, the other two lads a chance to talk about this as well, because it's the key moment of the game, regardless of what you think. The simplicity of the concession around here just broke my heart. Valverde, Valverde basically carries the ball a little bit, uh, drives it across the face of goal, and Vinicius is at the back post to sweep home. And you're just thinking, that's too easy. Uh, and, you know, at the same time, Jim, it's 58 minutes. There's a long time for us to get back into it. And I think we've all kind of identified the fact that the part after this is by far the most disappointing part for us as uh, Liverpool appreciators, Liverpool fans and people who've been commenting on them in the capacity we have. Uh, it's, it's, it, that was the hard part to take. Talk to me just about the concession of the goal itself. I mean, it, do, you, do you get what I'm saying when it, I just say it just seemed far yeah. too easy? I, 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 it, it, it was simple. It was. It was simple. It was sort of, I don't know, it was like butter through knife is one phrase that came to mind immediately when I was looking at it. And I couldn't bring myself to tweet that because it just, it, it just seemed too simplistic to say that. But I think, I don't know, we kind of fallen into that trap of thinking, you know, we're playing someone like Stoke here or we're playing someone like Brom here who don't want to score and, we, you know, they're waiting for us to score and we can just throw everything at them to try and score, forgetting that it's still nil-nil. They need to score as much as we do, you know, and, and sort of don't quite throw everything forward, especially when your goals aren't going in. And it just it just seemed that just for that, that lapse, and it wasn't there weren't many lapses today and there was enough, obviously, for, for them to score, but we... They didn't really try that hard to score, but it's as if that was their game plan. And I've seen that from sides before playing against Liverpool, that they almost sort of let us come at them 
and then they just wait. I'm, I'm so, not talking about the sort of West Broms. I'm talking about the the bigger teams. You know, they wait, and then and then they'll pounce because they know that sooner or later we're going to leave that back door open because we're just almost becoming tunnel vision that it's us that needs to score. That we almost playing as if we're behind and we're not. And if we kind of showed that same approach later, maybe we'd have got one back. But it felt, you know, felt like we we had the wrong approach either side of the goal in the end. And it was it was just too easy, but it, it, I just feel we we kind of forgot that it was nil nil, and as much as we need to score, we need to stop them scoring, and they need to score as much as we do. And it it just I don't know, maybe tiredness was creeping in though, because I know certainly from that point on we just looked like we were done. You know, it like we'd finally finally run out of power, the batteries had gone. You know, like you've got. You've all had days where your mobile phone's just about keeping up and you manage to just about make the battery survive and, and then it's lying to you about how much time's left on the meter. But, you know, we've been on 1% maybe a bit too long and it just went. I mean, it's an absolutely valid theory and I'll, I'll be interested to, to bounce it off the other lads as well. And uh, listen, Carl, I don't know if you want to have your tuppence worth around the concession of the goal uh, because I'd like to hear your take on it. But do you see where I'm going when I say that it just it kind of it was particularly painful because it just felt as if, uh, oh, again the bad old days, uh, uh, the very very early days of Raw and the days before that, much more the days before that, all you had to do really was to cross the ball and we were in trouble. That's how it used to be. If you were a Liverpool supporter, uh, you were one nil up, and there was eighty eight. It was the eighty eight minute. If some lad put a cross in, you were fucking terrified. Then there was the time where it was just we used to let people come on to us, and I had season after season of just almost heart attack moments going, shouting at the likes of Dejan Lovren, going, "Will you go to the ball?" And here, there was something about that, the simplicity of the concession of this. Valverde just sort of ambles in from the right. The ball just kind of ambles across the goal. And the sweeping home finish should not be that fucking simple. And yet, it was. Yeah, it shouldn't be in a European Cup. And you know what, Trev, every single time that we talk about this and we talk about the goals of the days gone by, and the, the crosses and late on, it's Lualoa. That one is still the one mind for me it's um this goal that we conceded today was was two wrong decisions taken and one moment where we didn't win the ball where we had to so first of all uh, Andy Robbo steps out and he he goes much much higher than he needed to and he chases out a pass which goes backwards which leaves a big gap at left back now that's fine in and of itself but he doesn't get anywhere near the ball and then he's out of position obviously Luis Diaz goes in behind him which is fine but then he doesn't go all the way and he sort of half goes to left back, but then doesn't, which then when it goes back to where it came from in the center of the pitch, leaves us trying to close in with three players. All of them are in the wrong place. And one pass got them in. It was, uh, I can't remember who played the first pass, but it was a little ball inside. And then it was the second one down the line to Valverde. And he was in behind everybody then. And from that point onwards, we were all over the place because obviously Van Dijk then had to go out to, uh, to left back, Kanate has to come across a little bit more, and it's then Trent against two people, one in front of him and one behind him. Now, I've already seen a few people saying, ah, oh, Trent rubbish defending again. Trent was really, really good defensively tonight, and Trent on this was in the right place. 
for this cross coming in. He had yep. to be between the two people who the the two forwards who were there. Agreed. The ball that went in was really really good. It was an easy run once he was there, but the reason he was able to have an easy run was because we got the three decisions or the three moments wrong beforehand. Good cross, decent run from Vidi. He's not going to miss from there because he's on an absolutely hot streak this season for for his uh, productivity. And obviously, it was a little bit behind uh, behind Trent when he was trying to turn around and cut it out. So I don't put any blame on Trent for that, even though it was a goal at the far post. It was decisions earlier on in that move which which caused the the problem for us in the first place. Can't argue any of that. Can't argue any of that, David. Just what, uh, I'm gonna. Uh, you can pick it up in a second by if you want having a chat about that goal and the concession of it. it just feels like one we've seen before, as uh, Carl's alluded to there, and just the the big breakdown of what happens after the concession is that you know we do have a couple of attempts. Mo has a good one again. Well, not decent. I think if Mo's full Mo, and honestly, he's not. On 63 minutes when he cuts in and shoots, it's got too much, but um, the keeper's comfortably full length, saving it, gets a good strong hand behind it. We bring on Jota uh, for Diaz in 64. There's back-to-back corners. Uh, there's a Hendo cross to the back post, and Jota heads it back across goal, and Mo is sort of flicking it back. Now, I don't think his attempt is on target. I think it's just going to go across the face. Uh, but another ridiculous save by our man Courtois. Ibu does brilliantly on 71 against Vinicius, and then Trent cuts in, hits one across the face. Trent shooting tonight was appalling. I don't think he got one on target at all. Uh, there was the double substitution of Bob and Naby for Thiago and Hendo in 76 minutes. And you go, okay, uh, you know, you alluded to this earlier on, and I did as well. Maybe, maybe okay, that's that's a, that's a ballsy maneuver. Let's see what how that works out. Uh, and it had a comparatively positive effect, you'd have to say. We played some good football, a couple of great moves. Uh, couple of good crosses into the box in 77, 79, corners, that type of thing. Bobby pulls it back to Naby on 81. His effort is appalling, if we're being honest. 83 minutes, a great touch and shot by Mo, and another world-class save on 83 minutes. And like you said earlier on, that's the one. That's the one where you go, yeah, we're not, we're not getting back into this game because he does everything right, and... He hadn't been, and he hasn't been himself for a long time. And when you see that happen, you just sort of start to worry. We needed Ali to be good on a break. Camavinga came on. Trent was really good against Benzema on 86. And Ceballos came on from Modric in 89. Five minutes ratted. I, I couldn't get excited, Dave. I could not get excited because then they broke it up by Rodrigo coming on. They broke it up by lads going over. And um, all I could see was uh, the scenes around the crowd um, and riot police. And I was just getting more and more annoyed and angry and frustrated. Uh, if there's anything around the, the second half of the second half and the concession of the goal you want to chat about, do. And then we'll just get ourselves out of here pretty soon. Um, at the second half we came out, we started it quite flat. I, I don't know what the issue was. Real seemed to have a bit more of a pep in the step. Maybe the fact that they'd had that moment at the end of the 
the first half with with the goal that was uh, disallowed. Which, by the way, can we just point out the reason the VAR took so long is because they were looking for a fucking reason to give it, not anything else. hundred um, percent agreed. There, the goal. Look, it like Carl. Carl's laid the goal out perfectly. It's a couple of small decisions that were made by individuals created that opportunity for them and they punished us and it's one of the two shots they had on target like it just goes to show that it is the small margins in a game but I I thought I thought Klopp should have reacted quicker and I thought he should have brought Naby and Bobby on quicker bringing them on with 15 minutes to go was too late they were really, really important when they came on. And I thought when they came on, we actually looked like we had more purpose. Yeah, I thought great. we opened Real up much easier than we had at any point prior to that. Naby was dynamic driving with the ball, which is what we needed in the first half. If someone in midfield had had the testicular fortitude to pick the ball up and just drive at them and commit a player, it might have helped. Bobby picked up brilliant spots in between the lines was playing one-twos, was making things happen. We got four or five shots away in quick succession. Now, a lot of them got blocked, but we were forcing them to finally have to defend like their lives depended on it. It wasn't straightforward anymore. It wasn't simple. It wasn't all in front of them. We were getting in behind them and cutting the ball back. Naby needs to just take a touch. Take a touch, set yourself, and then fucking welly it. Instead, he tries to welly it first time. And it's one of the worst shots I've ever seen in my life. Poor Nabby. He played really well when he came on, but that was that's that's what people are gonna remember because there'll there'll of course be a narrative against Nabby. So they'll use that as a stick to beat him with, not the fact that when he came on he actually did do really well. I thought Jota caused them problems. I didn't I, I didn't feel like we were gonna score, is the thing though. Gaffer should have like, shut it up earlier, right? He should have yeah, shut, he shut made it the up earlier. earlier. It's as simple as that. When he brought on Jota, he should have brought on the other two boys and he should have just yeah. said, fuck it. Yeah, Champions absolutely. League final. It's a Champions League final. There's no place in a European Cup final for cautious actions. And unfortunately, Klopp was too cautious. And like we were so passive in the first half. I thought he was passive in the changes. Henderson needed to be hooked earlier. He could have hooked Mo. He could have hooked Mane. They were both garbage up until Mane kind of came to life when Jota came on and he started drifting a bit wider and he was causing them problems getting squared up to Carvial. But again, Carvial was rolling back the years to someone else's career, not his career, to someone else's career. It was like watching Lillian Turam out there defend 1v1. And, you know, in, in the few panicked moments that they had, who stood up for them? Thibaut Courtois came out and he claimed a couple of big balls. And you know what really frustrated me was right at the end when Virgil went up front and the delivery into the box was so pathetically poor. So pathetically poor. We didn't give him a chance. Didn't give him a half chance to get anywhere near the ball. It's just shambolic. And of course, the referee's letting them foul us left, right and centre. He books Fabinho 30 seconds after, he should have booked uh, Vinicius for a worse challenge. And then they review it as if they're going to consider it for a red card, which is just fucking bizarre. Um, You've got Steve McManaman, obviously split loyalties for him because he won a couple of European Cups at Real Madrid. 
seems to forget that he spent the better part of 15 years at Liverpool uh, droning on and on and on. Glenn Hoddle piping. Glenn Hoddle, what an absolute national treasure Glenn Hoddle is. When, when, when Jota was getting ready to come on, the camera kind of panned and you could see Jota getting stripped off. And obviously, the word comes down to the boots, like this is the sub that's about to be made. And Glenn Hoddle goes, what I'd really like to see here is Jota through the middle and Mane onto the left. Like you've just been told in your ear that that's happening. And then he nearly celebrates when it happens just because he's Glenn Hoddle and it's all about him. But at that point, I was just fucked off. Like I say, I thought when the two boys came on, I thought they made a big impression. I thought they should have been on 15 minutes earlier. Um, and then, obviously, Real do what Real do. They slow the game down. Every little bump is is 30 seconds lying on the ground, and the referee just fawns over them, stops the game, gives them what they want. And then we get to, you know, there's five minutes added on. They've made a sub in extra time, so that should be an additional 30 seconds. We get a free kick just inside our half. Vinicius kicks the ball away or Rodrigo, or whoever it was, one of them kicked the ball. Danny Carvial, that's who it was. No, uh, Danny Ceballos, who, by the way, was shit when he came on, kicks the ball away. The ref doesn't even say anything to him. He just looks at his watch, and he waits, and he waits, and then he just blows his whistle. And you're just like, you've got to give us that free kick. You've got to let us take that free kick. Now, like I said earlier, likely nothing comes from it, but you've got to let us have that free kick. No, you've got 100%. to add that 30 seconds. I'm yeah. sorry, you've got to add that 30 seconds for the sub. If not, all teams would do is they'd hold off a couple of subs until the added time and they just start making them to slow the game slow the game down. But he was shit all night. We weren't good enough. As I said earlier, we were the better team. There's no doubt we were the better team tonight. That's the worst Real Madrid team to win a European Cup. Maybe ever. Like I don't know what the teams were like in the 50s and 60s. And yet, we've gifted them the title. We played better than them, but we didn't play well enough to win the game. We played well enough to get a draw in an away game in a Champions League. And then we didn't because we conceded a goal. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm getting more and more annoyed and more and more pissed off. So we might, I'll, I'll just leave my part there and I'll wrap up when you want to wrap up. I think we'll just wrap up end the story, unless anyone has any, anything else to say. Because, <clears throat> you know, it is the last one of the year. Uh, it's heartbreaking. It's uh, infuriating. There are attendant bullshit issues that we have to deal with as well. But at the end of the day, what you're looking at is that a team who had four attempts and two of those in target beat us tonight. And um, that's really, really sickening uh, on every level that you care to mention. Uh, I applaud Dave and Carl and Jim for trying to go through the details of this match with me tonight. I say thanks to the lads for that. It, it, you know, I want to do the whole, it's been a ridiculously good season and we're, they're a great bunch of lads and all the rest of it. Of course they do. Of course they are. Uh, and I don't want to be too critical as we finish the season. And it's been wonderful to share it with you guys uh, who are listening live and you guys who are listening in the pods afterwards uh, because we do. Uh, very much appreciate the privilege of that uh, and understand that you guys are tremendously supportive and you know you don't want to be hearing endless negativity on a night like this either but it's just hard to 
be too upbeat. So look, um, if Dave's happy that he's finished, I'll offer Jim and Carl a chance to say a word or two and we'll just get ourselves out of here. So let me start with Jim. If you are with us still, man, is there anything yeah. you want to wrap up? Just I'll, I'll start on the the shite that went on before because the shite that went on before went on afterwards as well. I mean, I've just seen a video of it that's been put in the chat on here and someone's messaged me as well from there. We were tear gassed on the way out. Kids and women everywhere, people in wheelchairs were getting tear gassed. The police were laugh, laughing as they threw canisters and sprayed. And this, this guy said, I've seen a lot in 52 years, never seen this. Calm fans exiting the stadium. Once out, the police were gassing everyone. And that that's a disgrace. The Foreign that's Office disgusting. needs to be onto this immediately and need to be raising this at the highest levels. That is disgusting. If that had happened in some some other country, sort of outside of Europe, we'd all be we'd all if, be up in arms about it. Jim, if that moron. happened in if that happened in England, if that happened in England. It would be an international incident. If that happened to foreign fans mm-hmm. in England, it would be considered an international incident. If that was um, if that was a Six Nations match and it was England against France and it had happened to the England fans, don't you worry? There'd be the foreign officer would be over there now with guns, probably trying to get them back. It's, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> then again, now foreign but officers. It's outrageous. <laughs> These people have gone over to enjoy a game of football. That's what it is. It's a game of football. And if you've ever watched, out... spent the hard money. Walked... Mess and and if you've ever walked out of a stadium in a, from a final when you've lost, you're not angry. You might get angry later on. You're like you're just so pissed off and miserable and quiet. You just want to get away from the place. You're not causing trouble. You just want to. You, all you can do is find your way home. You've had yeah. enough. It's not. It's not a nice feeling. And you're certainly not aggressive. I've never seen anyone aggressive. Any people being aggressive coming out after you've, after you've lost a game. There's more chance of being trouble when you've won, from people being a bit too boisterous and getting a bit, a bit stupid, a bit silly. So it just doesn't make any sense. And it feels. It definitely feels premeditated. There's definitely something sinister about this. It needs investigating. And I, I think. For once, we've got most of the media on our side. Loads of the journalists who are over there have seen it with their own eyes. They've seen what's mm. happened. I don't think they're going to let this lie, and I hope they don't. No, um, every one of them needs to fill their copy with it tonight. Mm-hmm. Every single story that comes out needs to be led with the treatment of the fans. Because as we found out for the last two seasons, football with the fans is a bag of shit. It's yeah. absolutely terrible. And no one makes money from football without the fans. Because if the fans decided to turn off and stop watching, if the fans decided to stop buying merchandise, if the fans decided to stop going to games, there wouldn't be a sport. It'd just be it a left lads running around. It would fall apart. And just one last bit on the referee. What I was trying to think earlier on, what was it he did that was really unnecessarily aggressive? It was when Nabby took the quick throw-in. Adams mentioned it oh, there in the chat. Yeah. We win a throw, referee, our linesman gives the throw, Nabby takes the quick throw. And then he, he stops play and comes over and starts lecturing Trent about something. He was, he was at Trent the whole game, lecturing him in his face, pointing his finger at him. He was a disgrace. And the biggest crime tonight, obviously, is, is what's happened off the pitch in terms of the... Um, in terms of the, the how the fans have been treated, but like it, it feels like a crime has been committed on the pitch as well. We've had this season where we've played every single game and we've been really, really, really good for 63 games, and yet somehow we come out without a Champions League in a game we were the better team in, without a league title in a season in which we lost less games 
than the team who won it in a season in which we were better than the team who won it. Like, yeah, I think the season feels heartbreaking. We should be so happy with what this season was, but I just feel gutted by it. I I, I was just um, speaking somewhere else in the middle of the show, and and they were saying what you think of this season, and I think we've got we won half the quad. And we won the lesser half of the quad because obviously we'd rather win the half we didn't if we were going to go and win half of it. But I think what I said was once, once this, it still feels raw now, hence the title of the show. I think once once that's worn off, once we've had time to reflect on it and and feel a bit better about it, we'll we'll look back on so many amazing days and nights that we've had over the last year, or not even a year, but it, it's been it's been tremendous. It's been a real enjoyment. It's been a real adventure. It, it's gutting right now. But I think what we've got to do in the summer is look to is look to not stand still. We've got to spend money. We've got to make sure that players who are getting on are not quite right are, are replaced. We've got to improve because no one else will stand still. But I think you know the, the the main thing I take from tonight is yeah, it was disappointing. But you know what? If someone had said to me, I know this is a cliche. If someone had said to me at the start of the season, how would you like to end the season with two cups? but not the two big ones. I'd, I'd have said, go on then, we'll have that this year, especially after the shite season we had last year. But we've got to build on this, and that's the thing. I think rather than being totally despondent, we've not got to see it as failure. We've got to see it as, you know, there's more steps to take. We've got to beat the oil-rich people, haven't we? You know, we've got to beat the, the, the con men. We've got to beat UEFA. We've got to beat everyone. And you know what? If we go with that attitude but think that we can, rather than sounding like Everton, who think everyone's against them and blames everyone else and then nearly gets relegated, we'll 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 beat everyone, you know. And I think we've just got to try and pick ourselves up. And I think we will. And maybe maybe I'll pick myself up and go to that trophy parade tomorrow. At the moment, I'm not sure, but I think I should. I think I should try at least. Yeah, you'd wonder how how uh, how that was going to go, but I, I I'm going to put my money on it being. Um... A heartening experience. And Carl, just last word to you before we get the hell out of here. Uh, I'm just reading something by a guy called Carl Markham who said, this is a quote from UEFA, uh, turnstiles at Liverpool end became blocked by thousands of fans who purchased fake tickets which did not work in the turnstiles. This created a build-up of fans trying to get in. Um, as numbers outside the stadium continued to build after the kickoff, the police dispersed them with tear gas and forced them away from the stadium. UEFA is sympathetic to those affected by these events and will further review these matters urgently together with the French police and authorities and with the French Football Federation. And that is just, I would have thought, the most... just piss weak uh, statement that they could possibly have put out and entirely make sure that they look after their own arse which is not surprising Uh, wrap us up man if you have any uh, final thought on the whole thing Um, I just want to say that the big 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 decision in the team lineup was Kanate or Matip and I think in the end he got it absolutely right I think think Kanate was exceptional tonight he was um, absolutely brilliant. Fantastic one on ones, mm-hmm. covering really, really good, bringing the ball out of defence, pretty much everything you want. So, spot on in that regard. But uh, as we've already mentioned a few times, three finals, sixty-one shots, no goals scored. We need a little bit better than that, don't we? In the in the very, very biggest of moments and biggest of games. Um, I, I I don't really want to go into the the season as a whole as a wrap up kind of thing, but uh, I do think that you know 
ultimately we are a goal away from this trophy, a point away from another trophy. Just because the season ends on a defeat, don't let it uh, don't let it cloud your judgment of of what this year has been as a whole. Absolutely fair, and you know, eventually people will gather themselves together and. Uh, we'll do the whole uh, cliche thing of going again, but right now it doesn't feel like uh, that's the most um, enjoyable concept at the moment. But we, we will, of course, we'll gather our thoughts and we'll gather our ideas and we'll gather ourselves and AI will continue to bring you pods over the summer period. You can be absolutely sure of that. There's lots and lots of stuff for us to talk about and I hope... Uh, I genuinely do hope that there's going to be lots of moving and shaking going on around the club and that Klopp will get to shake the squad up. It will probably mean the loss of one or two lads that we love very much. But if it means the introduction of a couple of new lads who we can grow to love, then I think we'll all be very, very happy with well, that. Listen, That's the thing. Like, Remember when, how we felt after Kiev and the following week Fabinho got announced? Exactly. I saw, I saw a really good. I don't know if it was in the chat or if it was on Twitter. I'm, I've kind of got everything open here. Kiev felt like the start of an era, and tonight sort of feels like the end of an era in a way because you'd imagine next season one of Mo or Mane or maybe both aren't at the club. Maybe Bobby's gone. Henderson won't be a starter anymore. Uh, Kanate is probably going to be first choice. Diaz will be first choice. Like it feels like. It's sort of the door closing on one incredible group who had a great run, but opening to something else. And if we're aggressive like we were in the summer of 2018, there's no reason we can't bounce back and go and win that fucking thing next year. Go and win that next days. year. We've had six shit days, but we're going to segue into something sublime. A bit too much alliteration there, but... There you go. <laughs> <laughs> he will finish that bit of board, Boardman uh, literary eloquence and uh, we'll wrap it up. Thanks to Jim. Thanks to Dave. Thanks to Carl. Thanks to the guy who's producing. Thanks to all you guys who are listening live and contributing to chats. We appreciate you very much. And if you're listening to the podcast later on, uh, don't worry. By the time next one rolls around, we'll all be a bit more chipper. I apologize if I'm a bit grumpy. I'm just fucking grumpy what do you want from me i've been trev that was dave that was carl that was jim guy produced and we'll be with you again very soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.